Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. I was living on unemployment, but it was around that time where I was running out, so I didn't want to be stuck without a job to pay my bills. What if I negotiate, they renege, and then I don't have a job anymore, and then it takes me like one month to actually find another job? That whole month that I'll be job searching could have been paid, you know? Is it really worth it? Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, discover why having an emergency fund can put you in a position of strength when you get your first job offer. Are you insane? Like three to six months of my expenses saved in an account somewhere? Like that's why I'm trying to find a new job. Also, learn why most people who aren't in a strong position should take the first fair offer they get. If you're coming from a place of weakness, which will be 99% of you listening, take the job. This is your foot in the door. Do not waste it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In our last episode, we talked about this misconception that there are no Salesforce jobs available. And we talked through why that's absolutely not true and that it's typically an issue with job search strategy or being able to dissect job descriptions and really figure out which jobs are a good fit for you. So if you didn't check that out, make sure to check out our last episode where we walked you through exactly how to apply for jobs and even pointed you to a free resource to make sure that you know exactly what to do when you're looking for jobs. In this episode, we're going to be walking through what to do once you get the job offer. And a lot of people make the mistake of just accepting the offer or outright denying the offer if it doesn't feel like a good fit. But there is a lot we can do to negotiate and make sure we're having an open conversation And we're going to find out if you should be negotiating your job offer. So to help me cover these topics, once again, we have Anita Smith. Welcome to the show, Anita. Hey, happy to be here. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Yeah, it's been a long week, but I feel like things are leveling out some. We've been creating a lot of content for the Talent Stacker program. And Alex Warnicke will get a shout out for a ton of work that she's been doing for us on the back end. So I think we're in a good place. But yeah, how are things going on your end? Pretty well. Alex is amazing. I want to shout out again because she is incredible to work with. Yeah, I think anyone who knows her knows that it's it's kind of mind-boggling, the set of skills that she has. It's pretty impressive, but we shouldn't shout her out too much because one of those shark recruiters might come through and take her away from us, which we do not need. So today we're going to be talking about negotiating jobs. So you get the job offer. And this is really exciting. I mean, this is what all the work was for. This was the certification and the interview prep and all that personal branding that you did on LinkedIn and, you know, really networking and and so much went into this. And you finally got to the finish line and you got a job offer on the table. And it can be so easy to number one, say, just give me the job. Yes. Show me where to sign. And then on the other side, sometimes we can get, you could call it a little greedy, or maybe you just want to make sure you get what you can right here. And we can do some silly things like start thinking about all the things we could ask for and how amazing it would be. So yeah, what are your tips on handling that? And I guess just 
what advice would you have for people who are going into that that phase of this? So I'm going to give you a very lawyer answer here. It depends. What I did, I, I don't recommend for everyone. I was one of those people that was super excited. I was like, oh my God, I actually got a job offer. Yes. Didn't even think about it. Didn't ask any questions. Like immediately just, yes, I'll take it. I don't care. How much are you paying me? I don't care. Whatever. I'll take it. But so for most people, if you're in a situation like I was, I was unemployed at the time. You know, I was living on unemployment, but it was around that time where I was running out. So I didn't want to be stuck without a job to pay my bills. So what if I negotiate and they renege and then I don't have a job anymore? And then it takes me like one month to actually find another job that whole month that I'll be job searching for another job, like could have been paid, you know, is it really worth it? Yeah, it's true. And you talked about a couple of things that are really good points right there. And I think two things that come up for me is a position of strength or a position of weakness. And you need to be able to self-identify, are you in a position of strength or weakness? Because if you're in a really bad position of weakness and you really need this job, you probably shouldn't risk negotiating at that point, or you should be really careful about bridging this conversation. And I'll share a few stats that we have, and then we can get back to that because I think the stats help us understand what we're up against and what the potential risk is here. So we surveyed just over 300 people who landed jobs in the last 12 months, entry-level jobs in the last 12 months. And that's really important to point out because if you're a Salesforce you know, veteran out there and you've been in the industry 10 years and you're applying for jobs, yeah, you're probably going to negotiate every single job offer. But when you're talking about entry-level jobs, you're potentially unemployed. You're not sure where your next paycheck is going to come from or how you're going to pay the mortgage or the car payment. This is a different conversation. This isn't you're already making $130,000 and looking to level up into this new management role. Yeah, for that, negotiate every time. For these, you need to think about where you're at. So to help bridge this conversation, that survey, the results returned for that were... 50% got an improved offer. So that doesn't mean they got exactly what they asked for. So maybe they got an offer for 55K and they asked for 65K and they said, okay, we'll give you 60 or, you know, whatever else that could be. So 50% got an improved offer. 40% simply got the counter offer declined. It was just, you know, no, that's our offer and and that's what we're going to be paying you. Those are the benefits, accept or decline it. And then 10% had the offer withdrawn, which is like the nightmare. It's the worst case scenario. You have an offer on the table, you get the offer withdrawn. So those are the stats. Basically, if I'm thinking about it, you have a 10% risk as an entry-level Salesforce applicant. You're running a 10% chance of getting the offer withdrawn. So in your position, you're unemployed, right? I mean, you are finishing up unemployment. That 10% is huge to someone who's in a position of weakness, if you're in a position of strength, that could be totally different. So I think for now, maybe we we focus on what might categorize you, like what might put you in a position of weakness. So what are your thoughts on that? Like when you probably wouldn't, you maybe err on the side of not negotiating. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't have emergency fund, you probably should take the job. If you're living the paycheck to paycheck, you probably should take the job. If you have a family and mouths to feed that rely on your income, you should probably take the job. And circling back to emergency fund, if you're not familiar with that, one, definitely check out this awesome podcast, Choose FI. But two, I'll give a a brief summary of it. It's basically three to six months of your expenses 
saved in a savings account, kind of keep it separate. So you like don't get tempted to use it. But pretty much it's just, you know, for emergencies only not for, you know, oh, my God, I need to treat myself. Let me go buy this outfit. No, it's just for emergencies, you know, stuff happens, your car breaks down. It's really nice to have that you lose your job. It's really nice to have that emergency fund. I know, like, it's hard to even think of having one if you're, you know, if you were in the situation I was, you're unemployed, focus on building that first 1K and then go on. But sorry, I'm getting off tangent here. You can learn no, more at Choose FI. I think that's really important. And that I think that emergency fund is nicely referred to as the FU money or the or the runway money so that you've always got a little room to operate with uh, making decisions for yourself too. Because you know, I think an emergency fund could be three to six months, but if you have a really nice emergency fund, like you might have a year or, you know, more, and some people are in that position and some people are probably listening to this going, are you insane? Like three to six months of my expenses saved in an account somewhere? Like you're crazy. That's why I'm trying to find a new job. I don't have that. But a lot of times if you can build up that little nest egg, it can give you that opportunity to quit a toxic job or to, you know, take an opportunity that you're not sure about and just see if it's going to work out for you. So there, there's a lot of reasons to have a little bit put away. And if that's not a reality for you today, all the more reason to take these conversations seriously about landing a Salesforce job, because it will be a reality for you tomorrow if you can just focus and get to this next level of opportunity. So I think those are really great. A couple of other points I would point out with points of weakness. I think everything you mentioned was spot on. Other points of weakness are you've got a full-time job, but it's toxic and you might be getting, you know, feeling harassed at work. It might just be very, very stressful, very uncomfortable. And there's a lot of people out there who know what that's like. And you know it when you see it and when you're in it and you just don't want to show up for work on Monday. You just wish there was another way. That's a point of weakness because if you negotiate for this and you fall into that 10%, the offer gets withdrawn. Now you have to go back to that job on Monday. And that could have come out a different way if you hadn't negotiated. The other thing I would say is um, if you're struggling to get interviews, if you're applying, 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 and you're just not getting any interviews and you finally got an interview and it went well and you got a job offer, you never know how long it could be until you get that next one. So you know, think about those points where you might be in a position of weakness. Exactly. Beggars can't be choosers. If you really are struggling, take it, take it because that's experience. The hardest part of getting into the ecosystem is landing that first job. Once you get that first job, once you get your foot in the door, you're golden the rest of your life. You won't have to struggle like this. Trust me. Like I recall for myself after three months experience, recruiters were reaching out to me like, hey, are you happy where you're at? You want to come join this place? So keep that in mind that like the experience levels in Salesforce is like in dog years, you know, three months, one year is way more than any normal job. So just keep that in mind. It's so true. I like the way you put that. It is in dog years. That's exactly how it works. It's like three months experience, six months experience. You can go apply for jobs and probably get interviews at 30, 40, 50% of, you know, all the applications you put in, you've got interviews, they're happy to have you. And all of a sudden entry level with no experience around 70,000, but even six months experience, you'll consistently see 80, $90,000 job offers. And I would say, don't go job hop just for a pay increase. You can talk to your current employer and have a, have a conversation with a manager about the opportunities and market prices out there. And there is something to be said for company loyalty and, and enjoying the culture of a company. And there, there is more than money. And we'll talk about that in today's episode. But I think we're getting now into, you know, that's a position of strength, right? Having a few months experience, 
But even if you don't have any experience, there are some you know identifiable ways that you can say, you know what, I'm in a position of strength and I might be in a position to negotiate this offer and make sure I'm getting what I'm looking for. So once again, I'm going to toss it to you, Anita. What do you think? Positions of strength, how, how might you know you are in a position to negotiate? You have your emergency fund, like six months worth. You aren't living paycheck to paycheck. You have the luxury of time and waiting. You're not desperate. You're getting a lot of interviews. You can choose. It's kind of like being a girl on a dating app. (laughs) You have a few more options. So you can be a little pickier. Yeah. Like guy on a dating app, position of weakness. Girl (laughs) on a dating app, position of strength. Really great analogy. So uh, I I think that is pretty serious. But (laughs) on a more serious note, yeah, I, I think for me, it's, yeah, you've got that full-time job. Everything's looking good. Going into work on Monday, you know, maybe it's not where you want to be for the next 10 years, but you can be there for a few more months and you'd be perfectly fine. That's when you sort of know, you know what? I'm ready for this. I think I can do it. Especially, you know, a situation that comes up more often than you might think is being entry level and having two or three job offers on the table. And that is, I think, the ultimate position of strength is having two or three offers because then you can sort of leverage them against each other. Still be respectful, I would say. Like, don't come in like, hey, hey, you know, two to three offers. I can do whatever I want. Still be respectful. You know, talk to other employers. I would say mentioning all the reasons you want to work for their company and that you'd prefer to work for their company. And if they could just get you up to this offer that you're seeing from another company, you'd want to say yes, but it's hard to say no to an extra $10,000 or whatever it is. So just be respectful and thoughtful of what their needs are. But yeah, those are a lot of great examples of positions of strength and where you gotta, you have to negotiate in those situations. And speaking of negotiating, it's not only money. There's other ways to negotiate. Like you can negotiate PTO, time off, how many weeks, especially if you really like one company, but they don't quite have exactly everything you want. That's a perfect place to ask for stuff like that. Some other creative negotiation tactics I've seen. um, I haven't seen this in an entry level but keep in mind for the future, there are a lot of conventions. There's a, a big one called Dreamforce, which is the main Salesforce convention that happens every year. I've heard people negotiating that into their employment contract. Like, you don't want to waste your PTO because like, yeah, it's fun to go, but you're actually learning, you know, learning stuff for your job there. And if you can get your company to pay for it, great, because it's not a cheap convention. But like, get creative because it's really interesting what people say yes to. I recall one of our members, Jody, she actually negotiated remote work. Like, she got the job offer, but then realized, you know, this is like adding three hours commute time to my day and ended up turning them down, let them know the reason why. The company turned around, did a really special thing for her. They created the first remote job in their company ever just because they liked her so much. And she's never done this before. Like she's pivoting from another career and they loved her so much that they were willing to negotiate a remote position. Yeah, that's huge. And I think it should just show that you should ask, you should have a conversation about whatever it is that you want. And especially, you know, I think that was a unique position for her, right? Because she was willing to say no and walk away from that opportunity And so they reconsidered, but she was respectful about it. She was communicative about it. And that allowed them sort of that open conversation to say, well, what could we do? Is there a possible path forward here? And you're right. I mean, that's like true trailblazing where 
she got a company to change its internal policies for the first time in company history. Like that's amazing. And I think we're going to see more and more of that, especially in the tech space. So yeah, I think that is spot on as far as, you know, being in these positions of strength and thinking about how you can negotiate and a few other things you, you, you might think about negotiating on. I know you mentioned PTO days. Um, if it's a company that's rigid about work from home, then negotiates from work from home days. Other things, a lot of people aren't 100% happy with that initial offer that they get, right? So it might be, we're expecting 70,000 as our, our normal entry-level salary. So maybe they come in a little low, right? 60,000, but it's the only offer you have on the table. You could negotiate for a future raise based on performance, right? You could say, okay, I want to come in the door. I don't want to say no. I don't want you. To, I don't want it to sound like I'm not happy with this offer. But what I'm seeing from my peers is seventy thousand, and I'm not saying give me that today. Let me prove myself. And those performances can be: I will get another certification within the first six months, which is totally doable. I will make sure that I'm hitting these key metrics, whatever that is, right? That I'm a good fit for the company, and we decide what those things are. And instead of a one year raise in six months, you're going to bump me up to that, that salary that I'm really looking for. Other things, if you're looking to grow your career and become more marketable, certifications are a great way to do that. So a lot of times you can negotiate to say like, hey, it helps me and it helps you. Will you comp my certification exams? Those are $200 a pop. If you'll pay for my certification exams, that would be amazing. I'll become a better employee for you and I will act and I'll become more marketable. Obviously for me, you can keep that piece to yourself, but it's self-serving while serving the company. And those are a couple of other things you can negotiate for. So think future improvements for the job and getting your certification vouchers comped can be some easy wins. All right. So we talked about positions of weakness, positions of strength, some easy sort of off the top conversation there, things that you can negotiate for. So we've already covered a lot. So now I want to talk about what does it actually look like? Let, let's say that we're going to negotiate. So let's put a hypothetical up. We get an offer for... 60,000 and we want to bring that offer up to say 65,000. That's what we're going to negotiate for and the reality of that negotiation. So if this is the only job you've got on the table and let's say for instance you're you're unemployed. So this is going to be your job, you're hoping to nail it. Well, it could take some amount of time if they say no. Let's say a hypothetical they say no and you want $5,000 and they withdraw the offer. Really it's going to take you probably four to six weeks to go from getting back to the drawing board and continuing to apply for jobs and going through the interview process to get your next offer. Meanwhile, you would have been making over $1,000 a week at that job. If you would have just said, yes, you would have been making over $1,000 a week. So it would have only taken you five weeks at work to get to the point where now you've made that $5,000 back. So I think it's important to think about what you're really negotiating for. And then I think one of the main things that people talk about in the, the Salesforce space, or really, I, I shouldn't say that it's not in the Salesforce space. I think they look at sort of the job ecosystem as a whole and careers as a whole. And they have this pushback where they're like, yeah, but how much you get paid is what HR determines your future raises off of. So yeah, do you mind talking a little bit about that and how that nuance may not quite fit into the Salesforce space? Yeah, this is just a whole nother beast. Like... It's very traditional and short-sighted to think that way. Okay, yeah, like this could be my base and my future raises increase. Like it, it's a different time, guys. Like 
majority of people, I'm not promoting a job hop. Like if you're happy where you are, definitely 100% stay because it's it's truly hard to find a place that gives you everything you want and you're truly happy. But I'm going to tell you, most of the people job hop after a year of experience. So don't like have that thought in your head like, oh, okay, I'm going to be able to negotiate next year because it doesn't matter. The industry is crazy. You're going to job hop and you're going to get like a 10K, 15K raise just going to another job. So just throw that idea out the window. The goal here is it's not like the money, like you already made it. Okay. I mean, this is a lot of money here. This is not normal. This is like, okay, wow, I can't believe I'm here now kind of money. Your goal is to gain experience. Again, going back to that dog years, that extra month you're searching for a job where you could have been working, that's a month of experience that translates to a lot more in the Salesforce ecosystem. That means that's an extra month you have to wait to stay at the same job before you can job hop to a higher paying job. Yeah, it's a perfect example. And you're right. I mean, we're not advocating for people to go job hop, but at the same time, we are advocating for an employee-employer relationship that's actually healthy and actually works well for both parties. This is not like employers own the employees because they give them a paycheck. That's not how this works. The shortage is not in the number of jobs that are available. The shortage is in the number of people available to fill those roles. So the roles have completely flipped. If you wanted to say someone's doing someone a favor, it's actually the Salesforce talent, that professional that is doing the employer a favor by accepting a position, to be completely honest. And I think when you go into that and we we treat this as an equal relationship, you shouldn't expect your employer to give you a sizable raise at the end of a year because a Salesforce professional with no experience is worth about 70000 A Salesforce professional with a year of experience is worth probably eighty-five, ninety thousand. 90000 A Salesforce professional with two years experience is worth over $100,000. So your employer can't use these standard, all right, you started at 70000 now you're going to get a 5% raise because that's our cost of living adjustment for this year. That's not how this works. They're going to have to give you, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 raise after year one, or you're going to get recruited by another company. And I would say it's on you as the employee to have that conversation with your manager and say like, look, I've got recruiters coming after me trying to give me $20,000. I love this company. I want to work here, but I can't walk away from a 30% raise. That would be absurd. So It's up to the employers also to bridge that gap and meet somewhere to give the employee what they need while also doing what's best for them. I think coming from there, just noticing that you are in a massive position of strength. Once you've got a Salesforce job, it's kind of game over. There's no such thing as a position of weakness anymore because you can get a job at any point. All right. So up to this point, we've covered a lot of conceptual ideas and how you can figure out if you feel comfortable negotiating. But I think it's time we actually talk about how to negotiate. So if you get to this point, which I think if you get to the point where you decide, yes, I'm going to negotiate, that should be a pretty small percentage of the people looking for entry-level jobs that are saying, okay, 100% sure I'm going to negotiate for this job. And if you're that person, it's probably because you come with a lot of industry experience maybe. So you know that you know you're more needed in that role. It could be that you come from a tech background. Whatever it is, there might be something, or maybe you're just in a major power position where you're you're totally happy with your job. You know it's not the next you know five, 10 years for you, but you're cool to stay in it for a few more months while you look for that next role. Okay, you might be in a position to negotiate. So how do we do this? How do we actually have that conversation where an offer email 
or a phone call comes. And I think it's important to be prepared for that call, right? Because if you just get the call, you sort of have this, this awkwardness where you might just say, yay, that sounds great. Thank you so much. And then it's going to be weird to go back and say, I would like to negotiate the offer. So be prepared for that offer call. And so Anita, if somebody calls you and they say, hi, Anita, I've got an offer for you. It's, I'm going to make this hard for you. It's $58,000 and we have this offer on the table and you're sort of in a middle ground position. You probably want to negotiate back. How are you going to handle that conversation? And you're on a phone call. This is not as easy as an email. Oh, that is a tough one because I know most of the jobs start at 60K. And on average, I've been seeing people land jobs in the 72K range. I just want to reiterate, if you're in a position of weakness and like 99% of the time, just take the job. Like this is your initial foot in the door, completely new like industry. Just take it. A year later, you're going to make 90K. Yeah. Yeah. But like 58, oh, that's so close. I would dabble with like, a tiny smidge of negotiate. I wouldn't like do 10K. I would possibly be like, hey, based on my research and the market, I'm seeing jobs listed in the 65,000. Can you guys do a little better? I really like your company. Like the culture is amazing. Everyone I've spoken to, like I get along really great. And I really would like to work with you guys, but I just want to make sure I'm getting the fair market salary and I'm seeing this salary range everywhere else. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think the most important takeaway from that was how much you layered on appreciation because you have to show appreciation if you want them to negotiate with you, because chances are they've got the backup offer, right? Like they have someone else that they can give a call to and also offer this and they might accept it. And so that's where you end up in that 10% where you get the offer withdrawn. If you rub them the wrong way and you're like 58,000, I thought the recruiter said 70,000 and now you're calling with 58,000. We got to get this thing up. Like, they might just call the next person and go, Ugh, that was kind of gross. And I do want to add, like, if you have any differentiators, definitely like bring those up. Hey, I have experience in this industry. So this is like why I should, I feel like I should be paid a little bit more just because you have that extra, mm, they kind of want to choose you over someone else. And if you're ready for this call, like if you're listening to this episode, be prepared for this call to happen. And typically you'll get a heads up. It'll be like, Hey, and it'll be from the hiring manager, right? The person you've been interviewing with, that's the decision maker. And will be like, hey, I'd like to call you. When's a good time? And you know, that's probably the call. Then be prepared to like know in your head what you're willing to accept with a definite yes and know in your head what you want to negotiate on and what you might have in your back pocket to negotiate on. And you can say it's appropriate to say this sounds like a really competitive offer. I'm over the moon. Thank you so much. Would it be okay if I just, you know, take a day to think this through? or talk to my spouse. Yeah. I would even take it a step further and not just have it in your head. I would print out the job description and like line item. This is what they're asking for. This is what I've done that compares to it and like write it out. So you can go line by line. Hey, I'm meeting these qualifications and going above. I think that would be good play too. Yeah. And truth be told, don't build this up in your head too much. Chances are, if you really are qualified and you're in a great position, they're expecting a little bit of negotiation. So don't build it up too much. They probably have some room. As long as you don't rub them the wrong way or like say something kind of rude, then chances are they'll just give you a simple no. Like we see 40% of the time, they'll just say, no, you know, that's what we have budgeted. Or that other 50% of the time, you'll probably end up 
with some type of slight improvement to what you had asked for. So you're in a good position, but to Anita's point, and I, I completely agree, for the most part, especially your first entry-level job, foot in the door, accept the offer, just accept the offer. You're going to be making $90,000 a year from now. You're going to be making over $100,000 two years from now. It's really not worth it to even risk having to go back and grind and apply. And God forbid they withdraw the offer and you decide, you know what? It's not worth I'm just so burnt out on trying to break into this new thing that I just don't, you know, I don't even know when I want to get back up and, and try to do this thing again. So it's in your favor to just accept the offer. I know there's probably a lot of senior Salesforce professionals out there who have been in the market for two, three, four, five plus years, and they're going, no, you have to negotiate every single time. And I think that's a beautiful thing when you're in that strength position. And I think sometimes we forget what it was like to feel so small and to feel like an imposter and that we just want to get our first break in the door and getting another 5K for that first year is just not worth the stress and trouble and losing sleep and possibly regretting a choice just to get another $5,000. We're going to get paid. This is a career, not a one-time offer you have to accept for the rest of your life. You will be in a good position if you accept the offer and start your Salesforce career. Yeah, I think that was well said. So just to recap, if you're coming from a place of weakness, which will be 99% of you listening, take the job. Just take the job, okay? Don't even think twice. If you are coming from a place of strength, then yeah, there's a little bit of room for negotiation. But most of the time, 99% of the time, take the job. This is your foot in the door. Do not waste it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the show. And we hope that you're getting a lot of value out of these episodes. If you are, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. In future episodes, we're actually going to be taking questions from the listeners and getting those answered in our future episodes. If you would like to submit a question, be sure to leave us a review. And more specifically, try to leave a five-star review and go ahead and ask your question in, in there, and we'll be sure to get that answered. If you leave a one-star review, we will do our best to get that answered. So make sure, go leave a five-star review, ask your question, and we'll get that answered in a future episode. All right, I think that's it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.